0: 10 years ago when I first moved to Miami, I received an email from a seminarian at St. Vincent de Paul Seminary, 90 minutes north in Boynton Beach. If you're new to South Florida, I think you need to come meet our rector, he wrote. He has the ability to make things happen. Maybe it wasn't quite in those words, but that was the sentiment, and it was true. Monsignor David Toops was a charismatic leader who clearly had a warm, personable relationship with his students and his faculty and was able to harness their energy toward a shared vision. When Monsignor Tupes was made Bishop of Beaumont, Texas in 2020, I was not surprised that he'd been chosen for an Episcopal role. But Beaumont was a very different setting than West Palm Beach. Nestled in the easternmost corner of the state of Texas along the Gulf of Mexico, Beaumont has been an area hard hit by the rise and fall of the oil industry. It has also been an area hard hit by climate change. As evidenced by the catastrophic back to back hurricanes Laura and Delta, as soon as Bishop Toops reached the diocese in August of that year. As you'll hear in our interview, however, Bishop David Toops has taken delight in this new role. While the responsibility he feels as a shepherd weighs on him, he finds that old friendships and family relationships and a regular practice of personal prayer help keep him humble and self aware. One of the things that led me to this, doing this project was, I would say some time ago, actually, I had the experience of, like, I always think of myself as David in every story. Like I'm the young person who's fighting for justice. Mm -hmm. Now, especially that I've crossed the age of 50, it's been very made very clear to me that I am no longer considered the young person in the story. Um, But I think I oftentimes have approached situations from the sense that, oh, I'm the underdog or whatever. I've come to the realization some time ago now, That in other people, the way that they see me, that's not always the case. So no matter how I feel, whether I see myself as a person of power or not, Mm -hmm. other people could see me that way. Mm -hmm. And I'm wondering if you've had a moment, like, when did you first wake up to that?
1: As rector of a major seminary, you know, as, as an associate pastor, you're the wonderful, you're kind of everybody's big brother, uncle. You don't know, have to make any of the tough decisions. Just get to do wonderful priestly ministry. When I was rector, I can remember early on. This was an early lesson. I was joking with one of the seminarians who I, I he was a St. Pete guy, so of course I I knew him from my home diocese as well. And very funny, and he was my student council president. So I busted his chops a couple of on a couple of things in my mind. In 100 percent just and in fun and he came to me about a week later and he said monsignor have i done something wrong i really feel like you've been riding me lately i and the the world came crashing down around because i'm like oh buddy i am i cannot tell you how sorry i am it's the exact opposite i said i i i know you i appreciate your humor uh i said i was absolutely busting your chops you're doing a great job and that that's the day i realized the monsignor the rector is not anybody's friend (laughs) in the the, or, or it certainly isn't anybody's buddy
0: so when you use the language of and maybe there's some nuance in it between like if i say the word power what do you actually hear like what what am i meaning by that how do you define that
1: well, in light of what you just said, first of all, my my immediate reaction is uh, almost a cringe. Power sounds like something that is wielded with authority. I mean, I, I, when you use that word power, but my second thought is all power comes from God. And I know I've been called by God to represent him in a very particular way for this local church. So the 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 flip side of that, the word power doesn't scare me now because it's God's power and it's for him. I mean, you can't deny my job isn't a power, I'm using air quotes now, a power job for the good of my people. And this is where abuse of power or priests or people in positions of authority, when they abuse, now I'm using the term the sexual term sexual abuse, Whenever there's that differentiation of power, that's a real thing, because somebody is all looking up to the man or woman who is their boss, uh, their clergy, uh, their youth minister, you know, whatever that is. So power can be obviously misused.
0: Yeah, I think that's the tender spot that all of us who are in leadership roles are walking between. Because on one mm-hmm. hand, we don't, we, we're so, and there's so much hesitancy, right? To abuse mm-hmm. power. Like we're, we really don't want to be right. that. And then on the other side, the other gutter and the other direction is to never find one's voice and not to actually do what one could do in the world. Mm-hmm. And then there's this space that's in between. Right? <laughs> like and I think that's what we're struggling for is to figure out how does one live power mm-hmm. the power right. that's given a gift well. In that in between space, for you, how do you do that? Like, what are the what parts of tradition resource you to help you figure out what it means to both exercise power well and not abuse it?
1: Put it, put it, put a pause on that because I want to. I, I was just thinking of something as we would put. Just a, a, put a pause. I'm coming back. I think one of the words used synonymously, like mm-hmm. there's, we're saying like, has this negative connotation. When in reality, okay, power is a gift from God there's no governance without people exercising authority like okay that's how we don't live in anarchy that's there's a goodness to it but it has this negative the same word same or same usage clericalism right that's a buzzword in the church we have so many problems with clericalism and it's when people don't live authority well that they're clericalistic to be clerical I wear a clerical collar. It's what the church asks me to do to represent Christ. I have a very particular role to play in celebrating the Eucharist every day for my people and hearing confession. So like with power, you can't throw the baby out with the bathwater. I'm clerical because that's who I am, who God called me to be. It doesn't mean I'm better. The more uniquely you've been called, The farther you are on the the call to be a servant, so it's the Pope who serves his bishops, who serve their priests, who serve the faithful, well, the farther down or up you are on that food chain, you're called to even more radical love and service. That's what clericalism is meant to be, not seeing it this way, where everybody serves father. I think that was kind of a little side part. No, that's probably.
0: actually a great segue to where we're going because I'd be curious. I'm like, who are the, what are the models you have of that that help you then mm-hmm. know how to model that well?
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: Like, are there saints that you love? Or are there passages from scripture?
1: Well, Psalm 23 keeps me grounded. The Lord is my shepherd. I'm called to be a shepherd, but the Lord is my shepherd. I'm the little lamb who gets himself in trouble and stuck in the brambles and that he puts on his shoulders and he always is leading. I think as long as we always remember that we are not only called to be shepherds, but first and foremost, we're sheep. We're called to be spiritual fathers, but first and foremost, we're sons and daughters of the Father. That's what keeps me grounded. Relationship with God. One of the things we do, this is a great little IPF, three little letters, R-I-M. Relationship, Identity, Mission. If you keep this, you stay grounded in prayer, your relationship with God. Again, Psalm 23, grounding me in that that relationship with the Father. Then your identity becomes clear. I know who I am. I know I'm loved. I know I'm cared for. I know I'm little David, not big King David. And then the mission, everything flows from that. I think when we get ourselves in trouble is when we fall out of relationship and lose our identity, the mission comes first, and then it's all about me. It's not about God. It's not about relationship with him and his people. It's about me, me doing the mission. When in reality, the mission flows from the life of relationship, a deepening identity of who we are.
0: You know, I've been, I was reading actually all this this morning. I imagine you're familiar with Richard Gula's old classic. I've used it in oh, for yeah. ethics and pastoral ministry. Yeah. And he's one who addresses that question of projection. Like there's a lot of stuff mm-hmm. that gets projected on. Yes. I think one of the things that's stickiest in leadership is that sometimes it's really hard for me to know, is this projection or is this another piece of reality that I have to hear that I've been kind of blind uh-huh. to? Right. And I, that's, I would say for myself, sometimes it's hard to know which one is this. Yep. <laughs> I, do you have anything for yourself that helps you to know how much of this do I listen to? And then how much of this do I be like, ah, I can't, that I can't resonate with as true of me.
1: I, I think you also, you have to have people that you could talk it through with. Like, hey, I, I got to share this example or this story or this situation with either people who know you really well, dear friends and family. Trusted. I mean this is it's, these aren't things you bounce off of anybody or with uh, again in my case because I'm a bishop and it's just it's kind of a different world. i would be the similar similar you know, I have to ask like a priest in the meeting where this happened. Was I an ass or was that completely inappropriate what he said. <laughs> you know, and and to have voices that you trust, and voices that can be truth truth sayers to you. A real leader is gonna second guess himself a lot in humility, like, hey, I'm not too proud to say I could really be the problem here. And and I may be, and I may struggle with, I feel like I'm doing everything I can in this situation. You know, professors working together uh, in the university, you know, in a, in a faculty council meeting or working with the dean or working with the president, I always need to be humble enough to ask that question. And I probably err more on the side of, because by nature, Anne, and you know this about me, I'm a people pleaser. So I err more on the side of, I do, what could I have done differently? How can this person not like me? And it's impossible to conceive, right? <laughs>
0: Is there something that is there like a skill set where you're like, if I had this, I think it would actually help me to exercise power better? Like, I got these things naturally, but this thing, this is no. what I watch. I was like, if I had that, it would actually make me even a happier leader or more more myself, more who I'd like to show up in the world being.
1: I mean, at this point in my life, I really do feel like the gifts he's given me is the skill set needed. By location, would be a huge. Bonus because then I could be at everything everybody wants me to be at. I could be, you know, probably sometimes more detached. I take things so personally and and really. I know some guys like, I can't do that. I'm just not going. I, you know, there's a freedom. <laughs> I don't, again, you can take that to an extreme too, but there's a freedom. There's no guilt. Like, I just can't go to that meeting. Whereas I'm like, oh, I'll get the. the, the. We're our own worst enemies. My greatest gift of being present is also my greatest challenge. Of you can't do it all, and by trying to do it all, I, it's not a messianic complex at all. Like I know I'm not the savior, and, but my role is to be the public face of the church in Southeast Texas. I know that I really want to be able to help, and I, I just can't. I just can't do that.
0: And then I guess what ends up happening, I can end up disappointing people when I can't mm-hmm. meet all the expectations, which I actually would love to be able to meet, um, but it makes it right. really hard to say no. I've seen this. I think I experience it a little bit, but I watch it and people, if, the, if a key source of your power is relationality, and that's the thing that yeah. helps, it helps you to have influences, you have deep capacities for relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, there's as he, I would like to think that God has the capacity to have relationships with every single person all of the time but the nature of humanity is we can only have relationships with so many people. And it's like the limits of what we're able yeah. to relationally cause suffering for us mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and for others mm-hmm. too, who would like more of us who want more of you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That is a real way of living the Paschal mystery.
1: And I do hate, and you can appreciate this, the word busy as my sister says, I mean, it stands for burdened under Satan's yoke. Busy always is negative. And when we start a conversation with Bishop, I know you're so busy, but and I almost, I almost inevitably stop and say, "My life is beautifully full. I'm not busy. My life is full because I'm serving you and our and our diocese and 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 having relationships with friends and family. You know, I mean, we 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 can't just work twenty four seven. But I hate when people start with, "I know you're so busy." No, no, no. This is my job. I'm not, I'm not too busy for you to even ask me the question. You're no busier than the man your age with three kids and a job and extracurricular activities.
0: I think it's our current way of showing deference in contemporary society. It's the power. It's the way of acknowledging a power differential mm. a little bit. Is that the way persons with more power are considered very, very busy.
1: It's, it's the way we brag about how important we are.
0: Yeah, it's a code language from really really.
1: Yeah, I'm a very important person. man.
0: Lots and lots of people.
1: I've got leather-bound books on my shelf. <laughs> <laughs> That's a funny line. That's a funny line from Anchor Man. That's a little <laughs> Leather A little pop culture. So, let's let's say at the end of the day, power is a gift and a gift that is called to be used wisely and with humility. It didn't come from me. <laughs> I don't own it, it was given. And you can't forget who the giver is.
0: Thank you for the witness. I'm so grateful Amen, for
1: that. <laughs> thank you, it's great to see you.